Hi and welcome to Colour Fit Chat number 24. I hope you're all safe and well. We're following up last week with another leader in performance, Andrew Wiseman. A former pro player, Wisey has become an established head of performance, working with the likes of Celtic, Exeter, and he's now in the US with the Utah Royals. He's the founder of the performance platform, Soccerology, which I can't recommend enough for CPD, jobs and networking. If you're not on it, you're honestly missing out. The networking element is something that really struck me with Andy. He seems to know everyone, so this was something I was keen to explore in the show. In addition to general performance matters and reflections on the lockdown period. If you want to offer opinion or ask Wisey any questions, then get involved on the at Colourfit Twitter tonight at 7pm. Really hope you enjoy the show. So I think uh, one of the, the questions I've been asked is about networking. Um, I think it's a really important thing in something that is really uh, such a small industry and domain or field to, to work in, especially in professional um, football. I think getting out and meeting people and going to as many conferences and events as, uh, as possible is is a really good thing. I know we saw a sort of rise in, in Zoom conferences and online work over the, 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 the COVID period, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I also think that human element of, of meeting someone at a conference and having a, um, you know, catching up with them and, and, and asking good questions, I think is important. Um, I think it's invaluable as well. You know, you can, you can have a coffee with someone that maybe you've only ever spoken to um, via social media or email. Uh, I think a lot of practitioners are quite open to people observing their practice. Uh, I don't think that's ever really been an issue. Uh, but I also think we shouldn't just confine things to, to football. We should look across other sports as well uh, and try and network with practitioners in other sports and um, try and broaden our horizons a little bit more because I think you can always learn. Um, when I was Exeter, at Exeter City, I was really lucky that we had the Exeter Chiefs in the city as well. So. Uh, you know, making contact with those guys and, and trying to understand their practice and, and the challenges that they may face daily that, um, that would actually be remarkably similar to what we, we, we may face daily in, in football. So I think networking and, and, and getting to know as many people as possible, asking good questions, I think is, is a really good thing. And um, I think most practitioners are open to that um, and being able to give advice. I think we're in a really fortunate position that we can give advice to people that you know would like to get into into this domain. So uh, get out there and ask good questions. So uh, one of the questions I've been asked from uh, various presentations that I've done recently is, uh, what's the best model of periodization? Uh, actually, I'm, I'm still unsure. Um, I think it's very true that uh, you know the the more you get into things, the more you realise you don't actually know. Um, I think there's there's different ways and there's horses for courses, but I firmly believe that different models will evolve based on the head coach's philosophy, um, the club style, possibly the you know the players that you have. Uh, so it's very much uh, there's quite a lot of influencing factors on on how a periodization model in um, in football can be applied. Um, I think we have to, you know, bear in mind that it isn't traditional. Um, you know, we can be playing multiple games a week um, here in the USA. You know, uh, there's no such thing as a uh, as a local derby ten minutes down the road. Uh, well, certainly not in our league. Uh, so there's travel, uh, altitude, heat, 
um, sometimes snow, uh, depending on where you are in the country. So there's a lot of different things that are going to affect that that week to week or maybe month to month periodization. So um, I think there's a lot of factors, uh, and it's not as easy as just applying a model. Uh, I think there becomes confusion when we try and apply weightlifting models to to team sports, and, and I think a few authors within periodization literature have acknowledged that that you know. Um, those models were not originally intended for team sports. However, uh, I think over the years we've seen the sort of evolution of maybe tactical periodization. I think there's been a lot more scrutiny um, on a, a team sport like football, where we look at those periodization and how that's being a, or periodization models and how they're being applied efficiently and effectively uh, within a working scenario. So I think it's been evolved a lot more. And it, like I say, there's some new kids on the block there with you know, tactical periodization and uh, all the different variations of it. So uh, I think it really is down to the, the individual, the club, uh, the philosophy, the head coach. They're all going to influence the periodization model. So obviously now um, here in Utah, we're back training um, in full training for a tournament that's happening in the, the next few weeks, um, which we're all really excited about and looking forward to. Uh, I think if we look at some of the or where we were when uh, this sort of lockdown period began we just started pre-season but we'd also had an international break which meant that uh, some of our players were uh, on different continents um, and uh, quite a few were based spread out across the United States and, and Canada as well uh, so that for us meant that uh, when it actually came about with the lockdown we had players scattered about everywhere so uh, we had to look at how we were going to uh, work with these players to obviously stay fit. I don't think it really affected our programme too much because of where we were in it. We were only two days into pre-season, so in that respect, we were really lucky. Um, obviously, then we had to put something in place that would uh, allow our players to work remotely. Uh, we had regular check-ins with, with players and, and uh, really tried to understand their needs a little bit more because I think everything in the first few weeks was changing daily um, you know and a lot of uncertainty uh, and we had to do a lot of reassuring to our players that you know when we get back we'll be in a, in, in a good position and I think with credit to all of our players everyone was was brilliant taken out on board um, there were some lessons learned as well you know um, from talking to to some of our players and how we could work with them uh, and try and get them back into uh, the best or keep them in the best physical um, condition for when they came back into work. Um, I think there was a lot of challenges. There was a huge amount of challenges. Uh, some of the things we did, we did uh, Zoom workouts with the players uh, once a week. Um, we had some equipment, but we also uh, started up a leaderboard on Strava as well for the, for the players for their running work. Uh, and just tried to really reassure uh, everyone we were working with that you know, this will come to an end soon and, and we're there. And then obviously from there, we went into individual training uh, and to small group training and then into full training. So there was a lot of transition periods. Um, things moved very, very quickly and, and testament to everybody here in, in Utah Royals and, and probably across the NWSL, you know, we uh, and many other clubs and many other leagues. But um, we had to work off our feet quite a lot and, and, and think, sorry, think on our feet as much as we could to come up with solutions and, and really help the athletes and to come back in in the best uh, condition. Uh, I think the uncertainty around that was really, really difficult. And, and I think it was challenging for everyone, but, but we got there and we're now in, 
uh, full training and ready to go with their tournament. So if I was to give my younger self some advice, it would probably be to be a bit more patient. Um, I think your uh, the, the business that we work in, um, we work with some incredible athletes. I'm, I'm really lucky here that we have Champions League winners, World Cup winners, uh, Olympic medalists in our squad. Uh, and you're learning from these players every day. Um, but by be, being patient and just listening a little bit more, uh, you'll get to understand what someone's view of the world is and how they operate and what how they see uh, something maybe as complex as, uh, as sports science and how we can help them. Um, I think this takes time and it's a skill that you really need to work on. Uh, you know, it's a day in, day out. I think every day we're dealing with different personalities we you know from uh, management to to players and other staff so communicating and working on that communication and uh, how you're going to get your message across efficiently you know sometimes you may only have five minutes with a with a key stakeholder so your communication and um, your delivery of what the message you're trying to get across needs to be um, spot on it needs to be clear and concise so I think being patient but developing developing communication skills where um, you can work across such a broad range of people is it, they're, they're vital skills that um, I think you gain through experience really and um, I think as you progress and as you go along um, you develop those skills because ultimately you know if we took away uh, the elite and the high performance, everything that goes with that. We're still working with uh, with people. It's no different than than any other job in in some respects. When you're working with different um, personalities and and characters and uh, the different people you work with on a day to day basis. So uh, I think being patient, uh, understanding, listening more, and really developing communication skills are are, are absolutely vital to to any form of success um, and certainly something uh, when I look back then it's something that you know you have to develop um, and it takes time so uh, that's definitely the advice I'd give to my younger self. Thanks to Isaac for some great advice and reflections. Networking is key in any profession and lockdown has stimulated a big surge in digital networking but human interaction is always going to be key. Ask good questions, look outside your immediate sport and industry, have something to offer and not just take, and pay it forward when it's your turn to mentor. Optimal periodization in skill and tactical intermittent-based sports with regular competition is complex. There are so many things to consider that classical periodization is pretty much impossible, and we tend to operate more on a short-term basis. The philosophies of the manager and the club are also going to be paramount in influencing session content and microcycle structures. The lockdown period has presented us with many challenges. Unknown schedulers, remote training and monitoring, and increased individualization needs due to facilities and equipment limitations. Consumer-based technologies such as Strava and Zoom played a huge part in overcoming these issues, and I think they will play an increased role in off-season conditioning from now on. Now we're back, iteration is a key. We are used to dealing with unprecedented circumstances, so the plan, but most importantly, be ready to adapt. Wise's reflections on his career was to be more patient. Patience in your career path so you enjoy and appreciate the journey and realise the path to your goals requires time, hard work and often quite a lot of luck. Also, be patient with your athletes. They don't have the knowledge or priorities we have, so buying can take time. 
Hope you enjoyed the show. You can watch the full episodes on Colourfit Podcasts and YouTube channels, and please leave a review. Take care, and I'll hopefully catch you next week.